Hi, this is Mary, and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today we're going to talk about what masculinity looks like in a relationship and why are we so hung up on the idea of masculinity? Yeah, and the idea of what it looks like and where these concepts or ideas you have around what masculinity is might be, might be tripping you up in regards to having a successful relationship. So we just want to preface before we get into it that this is a very gender normative and heteronormative perspective. And if this... It's sorry, fine. It? No, don't worry about it. So we just want to preface before we get into it that this is a very heteronormative and gender normative perspective. And if you don't subscribe to it, this might not be the episode for you. Uh, although I like to say there are nuggets in, in everything out there for all of us if we can just take what we like and what works for us and leave the rest. Yeah, because I don't really subscribe to masculinity being gender specific. I know that I've been in a relationship with a member of the opposite sex who felt more feminine to me and I felt like I was the more masculine one in the relationship. So I just kind of want to throw that out there as well. Masculinity does not necessarily mean male and femininity does not necessarily mean female. Yeah, it's an energetic thing. So let's get into it. One of the initial concepts that I always think of that is very masculine is that masculinity, the person who's running with more masculine energy is the decision maker, right? They take care of things and they're the ones who are planning the dates. They're deciding where to go. And, and I know many women out there feel if a man doesn't do that, he's not stepping up. Yeah. So I hear a lot of women complaining about why can't he just pick the restaurant I make decisions all day long. I'm tired of making decisions. Why is this such a big deal? So it doesn't feel very, quote unquote, masculine when they're asking me what I want to do, because it feels, again, like the ball is in my court and I just want this person to make a decision for me. This is something I see happen so often, right? And if you are somebody who struggles with that or have that kind of mentality, but kind of get tripped up in dating. I just want to propose this to you. If a man asks you where you want to go, uh, but hey, you guys know you're going to go out on a Friday, and he says, where would you like to go? This doesn't necessarily mean he's not masculine, right? He could just actually be wanting to please you. A man who knows exactly where he wants to go, or we don't even know what that's about, right? He could be highly controlling. He could have his his places to go that he knows are panty pullers, for example. Ooh, panty pullers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Every, every man has their BS game, right? And the things that they know get chicks. And so if a man has his little plan, you, you don't know the motivation for that. So I, I, I love that you say like the man might have his panty pullers because I actually knew somebody who had a very specific formula to dating. It would be sushi for dinner and then another restaurant, which was like a two-star Michelin restaurant for dessert, which also showed how cheap he was because he was only going there for dessert, right? And so no pun intended, 
So it kind of feels hot and sexy, right? Like so you're you're having sushi for dinner and you're going to a, a very romantic French spot for dessert, right? So hmm, I wonder how that evening's going to end. <laughs> you probably got a lot of play, right? Uh, yes, he did get a lot of play, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> So the point in this is that we're looking at that kind of guy versus the guy who says, hey, where do you want to go? I know we're going out Friday, but where? This isn't necessarily because he's not, quote unquote, man enough to make the decision. He might actually just be thoughtful about what might make you happy. And there is also this kind of, yes, this is also masculinity. And perhaps this guy might have a little less game, which, by the way, is a good thing if you want a relationship with somebody who makes you happy. Is that something that if that is what you value, remember that that can also be a masculine concept. And I think from an attachment lens, especially when we're talking about insecure attachment, it might feel uncomfortable when somebody is asking you for what you want to do. Oh, totally. I see that as the other part of what comes up, right? Guys get into this and, and, and females say, I have to make a decision now. I see that this deep down is this discomfort of maybe allowing yourself to be the receiver of nice treatment or even knowing what your needs are, or if you're uncomfortable voicing what your needs are without knowing how that person's going to respond, right? It's kind of a direct need statement, right, of I would like this to make you happy. And that can be really uncomfortable if you run anxious. Oh, my God, there could be so much discomfort in that. And I was just even thinking, like, putting myself in, in those shoes of somebody asking me what I wanted. <laughs> there can also be like that freeze response. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at that again from the attachment lens, right, that nervous system is sensing distress, threat probably fear of abandonment in some way. What if I displease this guy? What if he says, no, that's too expensive, right? That really throws somebody into survival response. So that is some of your work to do around your regulation because you ultimately want a guy who's going to show up for what you do like. So I know before we were talking about, you were telling me about a story about how you had experienced somebody as feminine. And then when you met them later, you experienced them as masculine. Totally. <laughs> I, I had this friend and she had a fiance. It was her fiance at the time. And I remember we met him out at a, at a bar somewhere. And when I met him, I was... I will just say, I'll preface this with, I was used to dating, we'll call it toxically masculine men, like hyper-masculinized men. And he spoke in a way that in my eyes somehow registered as a bit effeminate, okay? And then years later, I reconnected with that friend. Like, I mean, this was something like 10 years later, okay? I reconnected with her friend and reconnected with her husband. And I was like, wait, I thought that this guy had an effeminate voice because that wasn't even true. I can't even believe I thought that it was true because it wasn't the case whatsoever. And it was such a marker to me. I remember talking about this with my therapist that my vision of what a masculine man was was so entrenched in toxic masculinity. I didn't even have a good marker of what that actually looked like, right? So remember that this, your experiences are shaping what you even view as masculine or feminine, which might not necessarily be true. 
And so for me at that point, uh, if you weren't actually hyper-masculine, meaning hyper-controlling right, or dismissive, Ooh. yeah, I viewed it as uh, emasculine and I wasn't even aware of it. I definitely have had that experience before where I've had interactions with friends, boyfriends, and thought like, oh my God, that guy is so not quote unquote man enough. Yes. And then later what I just realized was that that person was actually a nice guy, listened to his partner, was attentive. And so, I mean, my definition of what a man is has changed completely since I was in my 20s. I was just used to kind of dating the bad boys, the jerks, the people that just didn't really treat me with a lot of respect. And I just allowed that to happen. And so my, and also my models, what were my models of masculinity? That Those were what my models were. I accepted that behavior from guys. And it's like, I also grew up in a boys will be boys, or that's just how men are kind of like way of minimizing their asshole-ish behavior. And so I was like, oh, I guess I just need to accept that. Totally, totally. That's, that's a really good one, Mary. I think the point we're making around this is what we might think is not necessarily masculine. I, I'd encourage you to kind of get some outside perspective around that from people who are in healthy relationships to see, is your viewpoint perhaps skewed? Yeah. And I also was just thinking about, I, there was a time when I had dated this one person and I was friends with a lot of, you say like hyper-masculine bros. And I was a little nervous to introduce this person into that friend group because I was thinking, oh, I don't know if this person is like dude enough for these guys. And then when I ended up introducing him, he ended up actually integrating quite nicely into the fold, into the wolf pack. And so I was just like, oh, that's so interesting because it's like, why am I viewing this person in this way as opposed to like how I view my friends? And what are the different ways that I view being masculine? Mm, I love that. Okay, so that makes me think about our next one that we have as a kind of masculine myth, if you will. And that is the guy making the first move. Ooh. What do you think about that? You know, I'm thinking in regards to the first move, I know so many uh, women who would say, oh, I just want him to grab me by the hair or the back of the neck and kiss me, right? And that's really masculine, right? Ooh, that's like passion. Passion, hot. yes. That's hot, sexy, sweaty, yummy. <laughs> or is it a man that just wants to get you into bed and see how far and see how far he can get when he does that, right? Or does he have violent issues? Right. Maybe he's seen too much porn which possibly probably true and is the man who let's say asks for permission first or takes his time to get to know you does this mean he's emasculine or he's waiting for you to be comfortable right or he's checking out to see where you stand or he wants to get to know you as a complete person before jumping right into bed Yeah. And it's also like kind of getting clear on what that means to you. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean to me that this person is coming on so strongly to me? And oh, so does this mean that this person's really into me, that they really like me? What does Mm -hmm. that mean for the relationship moving forward? Or just kind of like how Jacqueline was saying, is this just the way that this person is on every single first date? Yeah, exactly. 
you know what this also makes me think of, Mary, is the patriarchy and how women have actually become so used to being objectified that we make being objectified equate desired, right? And so if we're not objectified in some way, are we really desired? And so again, going back to if a man is is waiting and not making that first move right away, he just might not be objectifying you. Does that mean he's not masculine? I definitely wouldn't say so, right? We do have a podcast where we talk about fantasy and that does play into that. I love that you were saying that. Yes, that plays into the fantasy of what we're looking for, but really is like being slammed against the wall and being kissed passionately sustainable. I mean, do I want this to happen every time we get together, right? It's like, no, I'm not looking to have back surgery anytime soon. So it's just, it's just kind of like, does this and 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 that's the hips for me, not the back though. <laughs> right, right, right. And so and so it's just sort of like, no, sometimes I kind of want a softer touch. So it's just kind of interesting to think about like that fantasy because we do see that a lot in film where somebody it's like, ooh, that's super hot, and like something gets stirred up inside of us just by by watching it on TV. And so, oh yeah, that's what I want for myself. And so it's just kind of interesting to play with that idea of the fantasy versus the reality. I, again, with that, I love that you were saying the fantasy versus the reality. And when it's not that we're saying that a man should never passionately kiss you. What we're looking for, again, is where is the myth around this, right? Like where is the sticky point for you that might actually be giving a different message from what you thought if you are somebody who struggles in relationships? When I think about somebody who's passionately kissing you from the get-go, again, he could just be seeing how far he could go. Many men, okay, I have this theory. Many men say they want a relationship and either they're conscious of it and they don't really, and they're just saying whatever to see how far they can get, or they really think they do want partnership. But the minute they sleep with you and experience that connection, because it is a connection, it is closeness, they peace out, right? They're going the other way because they weren't really ready for a relationship. So again, you don't really know this motivation. So we we don't want to lump it all into one category. Yeah. And I love that you're bringing up maybe they don't want a relationship. And so it's just, again, getting kind of caught up in that fantasy of like, that's what's going to happen with this is that it's going to turn into a relationship. And just to be, I guess, more aware about what's really going on. So speaking of relationships, and, and we're talking about this masculinity piece, and a lot of times when I, when I was talking about like, oh, I dated the bad boys, or basically that's AKA for emotionally unavailable men. So I'm just curious, Jacqueline, have you ever dated somebody who was emotionally available? And how did that feel for you in terms of this like masculinity piece that we're talking about? When I look back, as I've become more emotionally available, I've been able to look back at my past and really suss out. I used to say, oh, there are no good guys out there. Oh, no, they were out there. I just wasn't available to them at the time, right? And I remember this one oh, super nice guy. He was, he was really cute. And I was taking my time to do anything physical. And I remember he would show up and he would plan these lovely romantic dates. He would pay for everything. And he just, he was so thoughtful and kind. And 
I remember feeling so uncomfortable that I was not reciprocating, okay, like physically. And I, even though he was really cute, I just wasn't ready yet. Also wasn't emotionally available. And it occurred to me, I thought was very interesting about, I was never aware about the transactional piece that physical connection had for me, right? Like there was a layer of that and it was really uncomfortable for me to not give back when the man was paying. And that was something I was not even aware of until I pulled that out of the equation. Oh my gosh. How many times have you heard from women who said, well, he took me out to dinner and he paid. So I made out with him or I slept with him. And I asked, well, did you want to sleep with him or did you want to kiss him? And they're like, no, but he paid for dinner. Speaking of transactional. (laughs) The concept, right, of what's actually masculine. And I, I remember this other guy I dated, he would ask for consent on every little thing and it drove me up the wall. But I look back on it and it's like, the guy was just making sure everything was okay for me and probably ran a little anxious and was trying to make sure he was attuned to my needs. But that dismissive, the inner dismissive um, part of me came up and was like, shut that down. No, nothing. Go away. And now I look back at the guy and I'm like, no, he was really nice. And he was very into me. I just couldn't allow it. Wow. God, he was like ahead of his time. He was a happy spirit. Asking for consent. What a right. I, and I also think I saw like a comedy piece about it. Like, may I touch you? May I kiss your cheek? May I open that- the door for you? May I carry your groceries in? It's like, okay. I mean, we appreciate that. And I think that I'll take it all. No, yeah. Like, take it all. I know. Right. <laughs> so, speaking about transaction, this makes me think about the third thing around masculinity. And that is, the expectation that a guy has to pay for everything. Mm, hot topic. Yeah. It's such a tricky subject nowadays, right? Because there's nothing wrong with having your preference. Maybe you're somebody who's likes the person to pay for more things in the beginning. And maybe that shifts once you're in a relationship. Or maybe you think if they don't pay for anything, everything, he's not in charge. Or maybe you think the opposite and you like to pay for stuff because you don't like to deal with it. But around the myth of the man should be paying all the time, right? And if he's not that into you, he's not that into you if he's not paying. But maybe the guy's waiting at the table for the check or you you offer and then you become turned off because he accepts your offer. Well, the guy might just be confused and taking your lead on it, right? Because mm. you offered. We don't really know. Men are just as confused as women nowadays on that. But what we're looking for in this concept, this rule, right? the man has to pay for everything, is, is the rigidity, right? The rigidity, when our brains are in that state of rigidity, they're actually in a state of disorganization. And that is what will trip you up in relationships. So we're looking for where's the flexibility in that? And if the man always has to pay, what what comes with that? Like how I just mentioned, the transactional part that transpires, right? Right. The feeling like, oh, I have to give him something, which is usually sexual in nature because he ended up paying for dinner, Mm. which is kind of hilarious to me because escorts get paid more than probably what dinner ended up costing. So it's kind of like... Girls, you're giving away the milk for free. That's all I have to say. But isn't that a transactional statement? Yes, it is a transactional statement, and that's okay. Hold on to your milk. 
<laughs> no, but I think it's, I think the money piece is really interesting too, because it's really about like, what is your relationship to money? How did, you know, how was money dealt with in your family of origin? Was it something of excess? Was it something that translated into you, money is a symbol of love? Yeah. Was it something that was kept from you? And, and so I think that's really important to kind of think about like, what is your relationship with money? And if we look at it from where is that rigidity coming in, right? If you are excusing poor behavior from a man because he pays for everything, that's the rigidity in there, right? Like you're ignoring, you're not looking at the whole picture. That's where things come into a problem, right? It, when we're not, when we're missing or the points of disconnection are not firing of, oh, this man might not be treating me the nicest or he's not really meeting my needs of emotional availability and, and engagement and I require that, right? If you're excusing that for the money, you're also ignoring what you need. And that's going to be a problem if you are looking for a long-term fulfilling partnership. So somebody told me a story about somebody that would carry $40 in their wallet a woman uh, you know, that would go out on these dates and she'd carry $40 in her wallet. And when the date stopped working for her, even mid-date, she would, you know, usually be like meet for drinks or whatever. She would put the $40 down on the table and she would be like, okay, thank you. I don't think this is a good match and and I'm going to leave. And it let, and she said that it would leave her feeling very clean about the whole thing. So mm. she felt like, okay, he doesn't have to pay for me. I'm not sticking him with a bad date or a, or a bad experience. I'm sort of like, I'm taking care of my side and I get, get to kind of leave the, this experience feeling like I'm good. I love that. Yeah, I, I know. love that she it's was so taking powerful. care of her own needs. I know, right? And again, if we look at it's not masculine if the guy isn't stepping up and paying for everything. Well, are you asserting that need? And how is the person responding if that is your need or that's your expectation, having, let's say, just letting the person know what your needs are and if they're willing to step up or not is going to inform if this person is right for you versus the vilification, right? Because if we're blaming somebody or saying, oh, that's not masculine, they're not doing that thing, if you're project, that's a projection outwards, right? And so when we are projecting outwards, we are ignoring what's going on inside of us Maybe I, even though I say I want a man to, to pay for everything, deep down, I'm uncomfortable with it in certain ways, right? There's something going on with me. I don't know. I'm just giving that as an example. And so, again, we're looking for these, these myths around where we're getting kind of stuck in our heads and how we've let perhaps our past or our experience inform what we like or dislike that might be hurting us. Yeah. And I love that because, I mean, you're really describing too that anxious attachment style, right? Looking towards the external in order mm -hmm. for, right, to, to fulfill ourselves. And I think that sometimes when we bring money into the equation, it can really feel like a false sense of security. So if somebody's taking me out and paying all the time, I might kind of like start to get, woo, like this really false sense of yeah. security yeah. of, oh, wow, I really feel like I'm being taken care of, which may make me kind of ignore other ways in the relationship that I'm not being taken care of. And so I think that like a lot of times what can happen and what I see, what I hear from girlfriends is that, oh, but he pays for everything. 
And so for some reason that feels like a get out of jail free card to me because it's like, well, I know that you can afford to pay for some of these things. And so what is, what are you getting from having somebody pay for everything? And it makes me think of that, that biotech tycoon, Brian Johnson and his ex, I don't know if she was his fiance or wife, but Terrence Southern. And I remember reading about this story because I was kind of fascinated about it. He was obsessed with his health and he was spending all this money on his health. And I was like, what is going on that somebody's spending that much money on their health? And I looked into the backstory and this woman, she was, when her, in her words of what I read, this is all public information. I do not know these people. She had said that she claims that he had encouraged her to stop working and that he would take care of her and really convinced her to let go of her job, made her feel very safe. And then she got she got cancer once, I think, recovered from it. I, I might be stating the details of this kind of inaccurately, but the second time she got it, I, he actually, he left her and he left her with nothing. Mm. And it started from this place of, oh, I'm offering you all this security. And it's not to, this is not to encourage your inner guard dog to come out, but make sure that you're checking in with yourself in not just what feels surface level safe, but what you really need, right? And making sure you're also getting honesty from your partner. And I would like to encourage honesty as a masculine, let's say a high vibrational masculine concept, as well as a high vibrational feminine concept, honesty. Just yeah. is. It's 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 non-gender, non-binary. It, it just is. Yes, I agree. I think that when I reflect on myself, there are parts of me that feel more masculine and there are parts of me that feel more feminine. If we're just going to identify things under that heteronormative social construct of what is masculinity and what is femininity. So I think that's just a really interesting conversation, especially when we're talking about attachment styles. I, I think that masculinity can be seen as having a more avoidant attachment style, whereas femininity may be seen as having a more anxious attachment style. And then when we identify with both, right, like maybe our masculine side feels more avoidant at times and our feminine side feels more anxious at times. So I just think that this is a really interesting conversation to talk about what masculinity is, especially in relation to attachment style. If you're interested in learning more about attachment style, you can visit me on my website, marybtherapy.com or DM me on Instagram at marybtherapy. And thanks for listening.